It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 281, the podcast that looks at news and views and culture from a Christian perspective, but open to all. And coming to you today from an extremely hot Australia, and I'm sure we'll have something to say about that. Um, I put my fan off so that it doesn't disrupt the noise in here, but it means you're just dripping sweat. Um, listen, thanks for all the feedback and all the different comments. Um, somebody did ask, I got some questions, and somebody did ask, where do you get all this information from? Well, I, I read a lot, and I guess I watch a fair bit. So, uh, for example, this is just a, a list, not of everything, but I regularly look at the BBC, the ABC, read The Guardian, The Australian, The Sydney Morning Herald, The Telegraph, The Spectator, uh, online, um, Unheard, The New York Times, podcasts like Coffeehouse Shots and The Rest is History, Premier Christianity, Christian Today, um, X or Twitter provides a lot of stuff. that, uh, And and you, a, a lot of you send me things that is utterly fascinating. So, for example, the, the piece we did on Venezuela and Guyana, that came as one of you. Um, and, you know, you send questions and everything as well. And as regards to the music, it's just... It's just music I like, or even might be music I don't like, but I just feel it fits and it helps break things up. So uh, those questions are asked. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different today uh, because, well, I'll tell you what, since it's Christmas, I want to begin with this. Uh, this is Fisherman's Friends. I don't know if you've seen the film. The film is brilliant. The story is fabulous about these fishermen from Cornwall who've had a couple of really big hit albums. Um, I love their music, and here's just a little bit of I Saw Three Ships. things I try and do is look at trends and where things are going and I try and think about what's happening 
and suggests what might happen in the future. I think that always looking back and saying, oh, well, this happened. Uh, it, it's, you know, we, we need to see where things are going. And yeah, I get things wrong. I get many things wrong. Um, and I, I please, you don't believe stuff because I say it. Just I want you to think about it and look at it for yourself. But this past week, I thought, do you know, I took pelters for that, for saying what's happening now. So I thought I would do, and I think maybe in the future I'll do a program on the things that I've got wrong, but I thought I'll do a, I told you so. Um, one of them is that elite universities are dumbing down. Now, if you listen to last week's podcast, more than one billion people didn't listen to the podcast, but they listened to one of the clips on it, which was from the presidents of Harvard, Yale, and I believe the University of Penn, Pennsylvania, who refused to say under questioning that calling for the genocide of Jews was hate speech. Uh, still a stunning piece. I, I, I won't replay it, but the head of Harvard, Ms. Gay, is her name. She's been forced to issue a couple of apologies. Um, she said, I'm sorry, words matter. It took her a long time to appreciate that words matter. She's in trouble, by the way, because she's been accused of plagiarism in certain things. And anyone, any one of her students who'd been accused of that would be suspended. I think almost any one of her staff. But because she's the kind of right kind of woke person, she's she's let free. Um, but this it's this phrase that got me. I got caught up. This is what she said in what had become at that point an extended combative exchange about policies and procedures. Substantively, I failed to convey what is my truth. Uh, uh, you are the head of one of the most prestigious academic universities in the world. You don't get to have your truth. Your truth is irrelevant. What is truth is what matters. My truth is irrelevant. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Now, what's fascinating in all of this is that these elite universities uh, put Harvard dead last in its ranking of colleges by freedom of speech. I think it's 248th out of 248. The University of Penn is second to last. And an article I read, I can't remember where I read it. Uh, let me just have a quick look. Oh, it was in the, the Wall Street Journal, actually. Uh, said this, our universities are run by leaders who are models of the left-wing ideology that dominates so much of our politics and culture. It deems the rights of certain people less worthy of protection than others. It divides the world into oppressor and oppressed. You can call for the murder of all Jews, but say sex is biological and you'll be punished. This week, the Harvard guidelines came out. Using wrong pronouns is abuse, as is fat phobia, sizeism, cis-heterosexism. You can be disciplined for these, but you can't dis be disciplined for calling for the genocide of Jews. Do you know what the motto of Harvard University is? It's Veritas, because Harvard and Yale were once Christian institutions. Now I suspect many of the people wouldn't even know what Veritas means. I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to insult you by translating it for you. You surely must know. But instead of veritas, we've now got my veritas, my truth. Wow. Meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, 
Elizabeth McGill resigned on Saturday, four days after she appeared before Congress. Um, astonishing. And then, and then this from Bill Maher, who I've come to rely on a lot. He's another person, I, another clip I get. I often, look, I often listen to people I disagree with, and he's one of them. But he sometimes just gets it so spot on. Who is running the college? Yes. It used to be the professors, <laughs> right? And now it's administrators. Some of the numbers I find mind-boggling. Yale has 5,307 undergrads and 3,500 administrators. Yeah. Um, Stanford has 10,896 managerial and pro professional staff. These are not the professors. 10,000? First of all, what do these people do? <laughs> what do the 3,500 and the 10,000 uh, people do at Yale and Stanford? I'd love to know. Okay. That, that's just gobsmackingly unbelievable. Yale, almost less than 5,500 undergraduates and 3,500 administrators. Stanford, 10,000 administrators. And it's the taxpayer who's paying for a lot of this. It's the government who are paying for a lot of this. That's just beyond madness. All right. Um, you know, Ms. Gay and all that she's saying. I thought the words of Marvin Gay. I heard it through the grapevine. I was just about to lose my mind. So... Let's just have a little bit of I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Okay, another trend that we saw coming is the rise of anti-Semitism. And there's, there's so much in this, but let me just uh, bring you a couple from this week. According to a New Economist, New Gov poll, 20% of young Americans believe the Holocaust is a myth. When you break it down by race, 13% of black Americans agree with the statement. A similar number also applies to Hispanics. White Americans only have the figure of 5%. Why? 
While there's data that suggests that black Americans are more likely to endorse conspiracy theories, but also there's what people are being taught, the anti-Israel feeling being taught amongst the younger generations. And social media really does not help. I mean, this is a clip from a Hamas leader. It's from 2019, but nonetheless, it's still relevant. Just listen to a bit of this. Now what he's saying, and I have checked the translation on this, thanks to those of you who asked me to check uh, the last time we did something like this. He's saying we must attack every Jew on the planet. We must kill them. We must slaughter and murder them. A knife is worth five shekels. How much is a Jew's throat worth? Less than five shekels. God willing. Unbelievably chilling. Now, if you have Israeli settlers who are saying that about Arabs, it's also unbelievably chilling. But this is being portrayed all over the Western world. And I'm just astounded at the rise in anti-Semitism that's occurring. And I am trying to reach out to my Jewish neighbors in the city where I live, because this is incredible. Now, another area is Ukraine. When we went into Ukraine, it seemed very simple, didn't it? Russia was invading. Russia was bad. Ukraine was defending itself. We need to defend Western democracy. We'll put sanctions on Russia. The Russian economy will collapse. We'll provide them with weapons. The Russian army will fall apart and all the rest of it. And when the Ukrainians began their offensive, this will all soon be over. And I questioned all of this. And some of you were pretty strong in your rebuking me. Well, what I basically said was the war in Ukraine will turn out to be a long, drawn-out, bloody, unwinnable affair. And this week there have been several reports which almost, well, certainly prove that that's right. Um, Ukraine's counteroffensive has failed. Zelensky says it did not achieve the desired results. Hundreds of thousands have been killed. Missiles are again hitting Kiev. Russia is advancing once again through Marinka, a city that's been destroyed in Donetsk. The Ukrainians are digging, holding what they have now. This is a long, drawn-out war. And you see the demographic advantages with Russia, whose population is three and a quarter times the size of Ukraine's. Plus, now I would argue that we're going to end up having a negotiated settlement, which we could have had two years ago, if it wasn't for warmongers like people like Boris Johnson, who prepared to have Ukrainian people, Ukrainian soldiers and Russian soldiers, bleed and die. We've wasted hundreds of billions of pounds and hundreds of thousands of lives. For what? Of course, what Putin did was wicked. Of course, in one sense, you you can't let him get away with it. But sometimes in, in the world of realpolitik, you have to. You know, I, I hate what's going on in North Korea. I'm not suggesting that America invade North Korea or South Korea invade North Korea. Recently, Ukraine's Commander-in-Chief General Valery Zalunsky told The Economist that it, the war had reached a stalemate. It was now one of attrition and Russia has the advantage. Uh, 
Zelensky is now attacking his own general, Zelensky, um, and it's become a power struggle. Support in America is ebbing away. And the mayor of Kiev, Major, Major, Mayor, Mayor, sorry, Vitaly Klitschko, has also criticized what's happening in the war. It's an absolute mess. And those who thought, just give them arms and everything will be fine. No. Just sanction Russia and everything will be fine. No. This is turning out to be disastrous. War, what is it good for? Again, I wasn't sure whether this would be right, and so there was a lot of hesitancy, and some of you who were strongly of one opinion would critique, and some were strongly of another, I just didn't know. But I think now we do know. The cure for lockdown in COVID was worse than the disease. The Centre for Social Justice has warned that post-pandemic, the UK is in danger of slipping back into the Victorian era with a widening gulf between mainstream society and a depressed and poverty-stricken underclass. Now, they were warned about that at the time. 13.4 million people in the UK are living Mars, lives marred by family fragility, stagnant wages, poor housing, chronic ill health and crime. It is just extraordinary. Um, during lockdown, calls to domestic abuse helpline rose 700%. 1.2 more million... 1.2 million more people went on working age benefits. 86% more people sought help for addiction. There's a growing gap between those who get by and those who are stuck at the bottom. Mental ill health went through the floor or through the roof, whichever way you want to describe it. And then the inquiry that's going on in the UK just now, the, do you know this? It's not really an inquiry. It's not looking at the longer term effects. Some of it's fascinating and some of it's really boring, but it's not dealing with the big question, the failure of democracy. Because... Our politicians should have been able to question what was being said. But instead, we handed authority over to a group of technocrats who just kept getting it wrong. And then masks. Now, I was much less convinced about masks from the beginning. 
and we keep getting more and more proof. And again, I am looking for people to apologize who said that you were murdering your granny by not wearing a mask or you were encouraging people to be uh, dangerous and selfish. There's a new systematic review published in the Archives of Disease in Childhood, one of the journals of the British Medical Journal by Sadlund et al. It's called Child Mass Mandates for COVID-19, a Systematic Review. And it looks at 22 uh, observational studies because there weren't randomized control trials. Six found that child mass mandates were associated with lower rates of infection. The other 16 didn't. But the studies which found that child mass mandates were associated with lower rates of infection, they were lower quality. They have what's called ROB, risk of bias. And they had significant risk of bias. The reality is that masks didn't and don't work for preventing COVID. They do work for instilling fear. They do work for reminding us we've got a disease. They do not work. And no one's, I kept asking people for evidence, and no one's given any evidence that shows that they have done. And now we've got the opposite. Uh, Number five, the EU is an undemocratic organization which turns its members into vassal states. Well, again, I don't think that's too difficult to prove, but here's the latest from uh, the Fine Gael MSP, or European, sorry, not MSP, it's not Scottish Parliament, member of the European Parliament for South Ireland. I was the first Kerry person to be elected to the European Parliament to represent Kerry and Ireland South. And that I have a lot of experience now doing a lot of good work. Many people don't realize that 70% of the legislation comes from Europe and that in the doll they're often only transposing what's decided. And I think I can probably contribute better to and to Ireland by continue hopefully where I am. Now you see what he's saying. 70% of legislation comes from Europe. What the Irish Parliament's actually doing is only transposing. When you belong to the EU, it's the EU that governs you. You're just a glorified regional council. Ireland, by the way, has 13 MEPs out of 705 in the European Parliament. Number six, uh, people are waking up to the woke world. There's a fascinating report. I put the link to it. The links are always there of uh, the Dutch who were the epicenter of transgender medical research. They've now had two reports, one in the Dutch Journal of Medicine and another a documentary on the Dutch public broadcaster questioning the Dutch practice and saying that um, the current pediatric transgender medicine throughout the Western world has done enormous harm and continues to do enormous harm. Now there was just so much misinformation and lying in all of this and there was this brilliant exchange um, I wish I could play it all between Kemi Badenoch who by the way if the Tories had elected her as leader I might even avoid for them but uh, she's utterly brilliant facing Kate Osborne from Labour just listen to this uh, clip of uh, a bit of their interchange You've made statements that contradict some of the best available evidence, including the government's own data. For instance, the LGBT survey that showed that there's no evidence of trans in a way the gay, but substantial evidence that trans people were at twice the risk 
of being exposed to conversion practices. And you've also made these statements using inflammatory language that likens children and young people coming out as trans to the spread of a disease. I've never said that. That is a lie. Well, that is a lie. And I think you should withdraw that statement. That is a lie. You are lying. You are lying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not lying you. To are you. lying. I have never ever you. used the word disease. And I think this is, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. You are making statements I in a select committee that are untrue. You've just called me a liar. Can I just remind the Minister that is unparliamentary right. language? It's, what she has said is not true. It's not true. And we, 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 have to, we have to use facts in this room. We can't just make stuff up. This is what I'm talking about. Well, I absolutely agree with you. I just don't think that your where, facts where, necessarily... When, when was that statement made? Um, and where? So this is the government's own data. No, in no, the no, LGBT no. You, you said I used the word disease. When? I don't know. Did you? Of course I didn't. And, and so you don't even know where that came from. Where did you get that from? Where did you get that from? I'm not here to answer your questions. Yeah, because you don't know. Because you don't know. It is not true. And you should not be saying that in this committee when you don't know where that statement I'm came from. I'm not calling you a liar. You well, called me a liar. You please so make sure that both... See, Osborne lied. That happens all the time. You said this, and Badenoch basically says, no, I didn't. Show me where I said it. And then Osborne tries to hide behind parliamentary. Oh, it's not parliamentary language to call me a liar. Well, if you told a lie to her face, accusing her of something, and it was a lie, then you are a liar. But that's what goes on. Anyway, I think that we're beginning to wake up to all of this, and people like Badenoch are just brilliant at that. Uh, number seven, I don't think net zero is going to happen in any meaningful way. I'll say something about that in a minute. Um, but first of all, here's Gary Newman. Now, I just play that for a very simple reason, that uh, a fascinating report out says that electric cars have had a really bad month in the UK, with sales down 17.1% on November last year, when overall car sales have been well up. Um, petrol sales are up and the hybrid sales are up. Now, the government have put in a law that says the manufacturers have to provide 22% of their cars as electric. And you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is this is all going to be done in China. The few petrol cars left on the market in 2030, they will be the supercars, the expensive cars. And again, the rich will get them. For the ordinary motorist, it'll be cheap Chinese-made electric cars that we'll get. It's not going to work. And the COP28, although they've agreed to try and limit fossil fuels. They didn't agree to phase them out. Uh, it's not going to happen. I, I was on a trip this week uh, around Newcastle Harbour. Newcastle, where I live in New South Wales, is the biggest coal port in the world. 
they have several cranes or loaders. One of these loaders, just one, loads 10,000 tons of coal per hour. The price of coal has gone up from $70 to $370. A ship that leaves this harbour carries 90 million worth of cargo. One ship. And when I went for a swim the other day, I looked out and there was eight ships waiting to come in. (laughs) The Australian government's not going to stop coal for all its posturing. And neither is the rest of the world. Then uh, people are going to keep dying. Listen to this. Did I say you could kiss me? I was carried away. I wasn't. Celebrate one of the most romantic movies of all time. What would you say if I told you I think I'm in love with you? Love Story. You're a preppy millionaire and I'm smart and poor. That's, of course, Love Story. Uh, Ryan O'Neill, who is the star in that, has died aged 82. Sad life in many ways. Uh, Drugs and broken relationships. Uh, Yeah, the film was a bit schmaltzy. Uh, Because I'm running out of time, I'm going to be quick. The arts will always find a way. Uh, There's a fabulous story from Dundee of Graham Hutton, who uh, is connected with the university. I think he may be the the vice president. He's the Professor of Architecture, Deputy Dean of Duncan of Jordanston College of Art and Design. Uh, I know Graham, uh, his son and my daughter were friends, and uh, he suffers from multiple sclerosis. He was no longer able to draw. He takes photographs. They are brilliant photographs. Please do look at the article, and if you're in Dundee at all, go to the V&A, which Graham was uh, very involved in. But I, I, I just love that... You know, people are able to produce art to reflect the good, the bad and the ugly as well. Speaking of which, have you seen this yet? I want to live, not merely survive. This is a savage game. And I won't give up this dream of life that keeps me alive. Oh, shit. I gotta be me. This game has to be played with strategy. I'm gonna be your best friend, but I will absolutely double-cross you. You can't trust anybody in here. You must now pick two players to eliminate. Yeah, that's the Squid Game. I would strongly recommend not seeing it. Uh, It's just, I, I, I gave up almost instantly. It's just about human greed and it's horrific, actually. Ironically, negating the point of the series, The Squid Game, but never mind. Um, Then, do you remember seeing this film? We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time... How'd you do this? ...becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents You feel that? Hold on to your butts A Steven Spielberg film Yeah, that's Jurassic Park And there was an article that I just wanted to mention to you Where I think science eventually catches up with the Bible Where a microbiologist named Juan Pedro de Mangueles Has 
suggested that the reign of dinosaurs forced mammals to speed up their reproductive cycle, eliminating key longevity genes. In other words, what he's saying is that human beings used to live longer, but because we got scared of the dinosaurs, we evolved to live shorter lives. Um, I'm saying science catches up with the Bible because the Bible said that human beings did used to live longer. Interesting. And then again, we don't have time, but just sad that this Sunday, the 17th of December, Church of England churches, the Church of England has announced they will be allowed to have blessings for same-sex couples within existing church services. Yeah. I think, it, I think that is the end of the Church of England. Uh, maybe the end, beginning of the end came a long time, but I think that's it. They're done. Uh, not, and, you know, they're done because they're just completely ignoring Scripture. You can't be a church and do that and last long. Bit of music uh, before I come on to the Sikh stuff. Um, uh, here's a Christmas thing. Always at Christmas, you should listen to a bit of pentatonics. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and Right, for Seek, I did the question this week was, why does the Bible use and it was so and it was good? And part of it was a response to this from Stephen Fry. If there is a loving God, how come children get bone cancer? Answer me that. It's that simple. It's, it's, not, it's not a game. I'm not trying to be funny. It's just how can you begin to say there is a loving God and give children bone cancer? So they howl and scream in agony and die. Or because I want them in heaven. That's a ridiculous nonsense. That can't be true. Now, we looked at why God saw that it was good. God made the world good. Um, and what I said about Fry is he has a point, but it's a very limited one. And it's, in fact, answered by the question, if there was no God, we'd just be left with nature, red in tooth and claw, evil and pain, and there'd be no explanation and very little we could do about it. However, the Bible goes further than Fry's somewhat simplistic analysis. It tells us that the all-powerful God did create a good world, but that there was the fall which affected and infected humanity. And then I explain what the fall is, and I explain what God is doing to overturn the fall. 
And that's really where all the hope is. All right, I am going to love you and leave you. Um, It's a joy being with you. We'll do one before Christmas. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to all the supporters and donors. If you want to donate, go to the Podbean fundraiser. Please check out all the details on theweeflee.com where you'll get links to all the articles and so on. Please review and send this to others. And I'm going to leave you with a final piece of music. And I was going to leave you with a carol, but I'm not. I'm going to leave you with... Well, this is a Christmas song. It's Amazing Grace. Arranged, and all the vocals are done by Dan Vasque. And Dan is a heavy metal musician. Now, don't instantly back off with that. Um, This is beautiful. Honestly, I think you'll love this. Anyway, God bless you. Send in all your comments. See you next week. Bye. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my Dude.